more on universal control, and tips for cord cutters. This is Mac Voices. Mac Voices is supported by ZocDoc. Find local doctors who take your insurance. Learn more at ZocDoc.com slash MacVoices. MacVoices is supported by New Relic. Monitor, debug, and improve your entire stack. Get access to the whole New Relic platform and 100 gigabytes of data free forever. No credit card required. Sign up at NewRelic.com slash MacVoices. Welcome to MacVoices. This is the talk of the Apple community, and I'm Chuck Joyner. Folks, this is a second in a Mac Voices Live discussion. This time, we continue our examination of Universal Control, the newest addition to Mac OS, and why it looks to be a game changer for at least one of our panel members, maybe more. Let's go back and let the panel do the talking. It feels like some of this is an evolution of, I don't know if, it, if it's an evolution or if it's a it's a, a training for us to be using the iPad in a little bit different way than we're used to using the Mac um, by yeah. having the files all in the files app as opposed to in a hierarchical storage. Um, and I'm not, sure. I haven't done enough of it to know whether I think it's it's a bad idea or whether it's just a different idea. Well, wasn't this one of the last things Steve Jobs tried to do in part when the iPad was introduced that all the apps, you know, uh, sorry, all the files get stored within the app. So instead of having a hierarchical file system, uh, you know, you know, stuff is bound within the app that you use to either create it or play it. And then it seems like Apple ignored it for a long time and, what was it, two years ago, I think, you know, they they introduced the Files app to let, you know, people get access to the file system on uh, their iOS devices. So I seem to remember at that time, there was commentary about Apple capitulating and recognizing that, you know, just binding the app and hiding, binding a file and hiding it within an app is not the way, you, you, know, you know, people think about it. Um once they get past, uh, you know, training wheels of uh, using an app in their uh, in their device. I mean, especially trying to find the app. You know, uh, apps like PDF Expert and a lot of the other apps that are out there, they they have a storage area on the Files app that's specific to PDF Expert. Because you go into the Files app, especially on an iPad, I mean, it, it you got your local you got your local storage, and then you got the hierarchy of where where, where you're working in this, so far as your workflow goes. Um, but there are some. I mean. You gotta also remember that you can have external storage if you want to be able to have external storage to hooked up to your iPad, you know, by USB C, and then you can be copying files back and forth that way, keeping it organized as well. So because that's where it recognizes it in the files app when you hook up, you know, like a, a external SSD drive plugging into the iPad. Dave, I, I think that's the uh, the big reason for Apple introducing the files yeah. app. It, it was yeah. for external storage, Absolutely. Um, and. Uh, and, and I say that first because you need something so you can access the content on the external storage, but then also because Mark, I'm about to contradict you a little bit. Um, <laughs> uh, so Mark, you, you were saying that uh, Apple needed to do this because this is how people think about, about uh, uh, organizing their files. And I agree with you that there are a lot of people 
that think about how their files are managed based on the hierarchical folder structure that we've been using for decades. But there's a huge number of people that are using computers and tablets and smartphones today that have no idea what file storage actually is, where anything goes, that because they're using mobile device apps and they're using cloud services. Right. And if you ask them to go in and actually find a file on their device, a lot of these people would have no idea what you're talking about or where to even start looking. Um, but Jeff, that's a, interesting. That's a, that's a, yeah, that's that's a good point. But I do see people who have trouble finding. Oh, I put it in Dropbox somewhere. Where is it? You know, and uh -huh. so I mean, I'm thinking. You know, it's um, it's uh, it's a moving bottleneck, so to so to speak. You know, that uh, embedding it within an app, you know, works and up for so far, and maybe you know, you know, for 60, 70, 80 percent of the people. But then as they mature and they start to use things like Dropbox or iCloud storage, then they get to the point of, well, where is it? You know, I've got, uh, you know, <laughs> I've got, you know, 300, uh, you know, uh, you know, 300 numbers documents or, you know, where, how do I find the one that I want? So, oh, and uh, it's also really poor for multi-app workflows. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's yeah. the one. That's the one that seemed to be a little bit naive as early as it came out because there were too many times that we were, and and still do, pass files from app to app to app. So, I, I think Apple had a different idea about where we were going with these devices at that point in the game, and uh, and to their credit, when they got it wrong, they were uh, flexible enough to mm -hmm. adapt. And uh, and change the operating system to better accommodate the way people are actually using these devices. But that yeah. begs the question: Do I, I mean I know Steve was famous for saying that people didn't know what they needed until they until they were told, uh, and I'm paraphrasing that, of course. But I have to admit that I find that. I like having certain files, certain kinds of files um, stored in the app so that I can open them from my phone, from my Mac, from my iPads. Um, notably, I can think of a couple a couple of files right now I have, especially in numbers, that mm -hmm. is, is amazingly convenient to open of all things on a phone, which is the last thing, place you would think you would open a spreadsheet. But um, it's great for lists uh, of, of a mm -hmm. certain kind. And I, I love that. And I'm finding the same thing. We've talked about it here, I think, before a little bit. But the only, the only gotcha for some of that um, between devices, excuse me, between platforms, is fonts. If you have used fonts that aren't supported on the iPad or iPhone, then you can run into some issues with things like Keynote or Pages. But beyond that, it is super convenient to just say, okay, I know that's in a number sheet, tap numbers, and there it is. I, I absolutely agree. And on the other side of that, you have people that are trying to use, say, like an iPad Pro as a device where they're working on a project that has multiple assets. So let's say you have a pages document, but you have these five graphics that uh, that you're working on that are part of it. 
And then maybe you have, say, a numbers document that's generating a, uh, a table that's going to appear in the pages document. And, uh, um, and then maybe you have some other notes files that go along with it just to keep track of everything for the project. And you want all of that in a single folder so that all the assets for that project are together. And until we had the, the files uh, structure and app, that was completely impossible on an iPad. Uh, Jeff, I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. um, do you have a, an M1 Mac? I do not. Okay. I need one. I want one. Well, because I, I don't I, have I one. Ju I just checked, and you can install LumaFusion on an M1 Mac and yes. run it on an M1 Mac. Right. I've done it. Um, I've done and, it. And yeah, well, I just I, I just checked and I uh, found a knowledge article and I also went on the App Store on my M1 Mac and says I bought LumaFusion before. So it says, yeah, go, go ahead and download it. Um, and it sure seems to me that I would rather just run it on my Mac than and and be able to access all my files without any going back and forth and be able to use my 32 inch screen instead of an 11 inch screen and um mm -hmm. yeah you know what why wouldn't i just do that and and obviously and if i'm you? using it through universal control yeah. i'm not taking advantage of touch of touch you know i'm using you know the pointer so it seems to me it would be exactly the same only way better i didn't find the experience using LumaFusion on a mac as, as intuitive as it was being on an ipad i mean it's really designed I, to be a touch application right um, but if you're you, using it through universal control you're not using it as a touch application i mean i guess i guess you, you could reach over you know, and do like this yeah if you have it if you have it the uh, track match trackpad yeah i mean it's it it, it does seem well, to work a little but then better. that would apply for it being a mac app too right Sure. There are plenty oh, of iOS oh, yeah. apps or iPad apps that, that do download onto a Mac that aren't as friendly. I can't think of any others that I've tried as of late, but, uh, and then no, also I, 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 I can imagine that except the thing that I'm, what I'm saying is if you run it through universal control, then you are not using the touch interface. You're using a pointing right. device. So you're essentially converting it into a Mac UI app. So you know, if you're well, going to do yes, that, why not just download it on the Mac? Yes and no, because the touch part of the interface still works. Right. So you could lean over and fiddle. Yes. So if I, yeah. So like for me, my iPad Pro will be sitting right here in front of me on my desk. And, uh, and I just moved my cursor down because that's where I positioned the display in the, in the displays preference pane. And, uh, and I'm doing my thing. So there's, there's no reason why I can't grab my Apple pencil and do something on the screen or use my finger if, if uh, I wanted to. Um, but just the fact that I have the option to sit in one place and have full access to all the ways that I interact with all of my devices. And I can leave my hands just where they are normally, to me, is, uh, is a very liberating thing, even though it keeps me sitting in the same chair at the same desk for longer stretches of time. Um, 
but yet your your point about why not just run it on an M1 Mac, I think is totally valid. And for yep. a lot of people, that's exactly what they will do. And uh, and for me, for now, especially since I have an Intel Mac, well, universal sure. control is uh, is a great solution for uh, addressing what I want to do. It's almost a I, sweet solution. You, you, sweet, <laughs> sweet. I don't think Jeff is. I don't think Jeff is unique in this regard. I think I think there are you know, you know, many 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 other people out there who have that same sort of transition where uh, they don't have an M1 Mac because you know they're probably <laughs> you know they 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 bought a, they, they bought an Intel Mac and they still have Apple Care on it and they're not ready to upgrade, but they like the benefits of. Yeah, apps on uh, the iPad, and you know, so I think that's uh, I think that's a, a commonplace. And again, this other issue of depending on what it is you make, um, you need to have you know all sorts of you know different files and different assets. You know, like like Jeff was saying, you know, I want an asset for my video clips, and I want an asset for scripts, yeah, and you know, assets uh, for other you know you know fixed images and overall notes and projects and budgets and so on and so forth. And I'm elaborating a little bit, you know, taking license from what Jeff was saying, but you know, you'd like to have everything in a file, you know, a, you know, a year a client in the project, and you'd like to have everything in that one folder, and it can mm-hmm. explode into dozens you know or hundreds or maybe even thousands of things and that's not the sort of uh it seems to me uh project that uh you know ipad os devices have been designed you know to target you know this is seemingly your quintessential pro user you know on a macintosh you must have your monitor a lot higher than I do, I I, I think I would, because there's no way I could get an iPad underneath my monitor. Uh, I, well, I like to have the monitor like pretty close to where my keyboard and mouse are. But if that works for you, that's that's great. There there is a little bit of overlap where the top of the iPad display is covering a section of the bottom of my computer display, but. I have a 34 inch wide display. So that's that chunk of space that I can't actually see doesn't matter because it's not like my dock is there. That's off to the left. And no, my dock's on the bottom. Yeah. And, and I'm just a rebel. I, I moved my dock. <laughs> a lot of people do. I, I, you know, I don't know. I got used to it on the bottom and I you yeah. know, tried it on the side. And I was just like, I hate it, but. Yeah. Um, is it always displayed or do you have it? I do leave it always always displayed unless I'm doing something like recording a screencast. Oh, wow. Okay. And on the left, keep that thing out of the way until I, and I I use it all the time. Yep. And I'm Jim on the same way. I have it always displayed on the bottom and I, I too feel like I use it all the time. I want to catch up in the chat room because there's some great comments here. Uh, Webb says, I play the, where did I save it game all the time? Mm. Business stuff on OneDrive, personal on Dropbox, and some apps default to iCloud. Right there with you, Web. Right Shout there out you. for a Huda spot. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and then Brett in the chat room says, I think Jeff is on to something using universal control. He's using the iPad either way, so there's no need to sync between his hypothetical M1 Mac and the iPad running LumaFusion. Well, yeah, there still is. L- LumaFusion... 
still is going, if he's running it on an iPad, the documents have to be on the iPad. It, it's it's not making the, you know, it's not joining the file systems. No, but it is making the file transfer much easier and more efficient because now I'm doing drag and drop between screens as opposed to taking files and putting them in iCloud or Dropbox, waiting for them to, to sync to the to the cloud server and then downloading them to the iPad. But it's still, if it's a big file, it's got to physically transfer. It's basically the same mechanism the AirDrop uses, I assume. Uh, but it it's a lot faster. It's, than yeah, I, people, yeah, why it's would faster. it be faster? It's you're doing you're doing it on a LAN device to device instead well, of up to a cloud and then down. AirDrop is not to a cloud. AirDrop is between devices. No, okay, we're we're that's what I'm saying. AirDrop is device to device. You know, someone earlier was saying they they were using it through Dropbox or iCloud, and there it but, is. And I don't know if it, it does it with I, I, iPads or not, but with with Macs, Dropbox will also sync device to device. If it if it notices that there's another device locally, in addition to syncing to the cloud, it will also send data across to other devices on your local network. I don't know if that works with an iPad as well. That Dropbox hasn't been does. my experience, but but maybe I have a setting wrong. Like yeah. I, said, I don't know if it does it with an iPad, but it, the Mac version has done that for years. Yeah, do, doing it Mac to Mac. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. I just haven't seen that work Mac to iPad. I, I don't know that it does. I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't. This edition of Mac Voices is supported by ZocDoc. Find local doctors who take your insurance. No one knows what you're looking for in a doctor better than you. And no one's better at giving you the tools to find the perfect doctor than ZocDoc. The people who created ZocDoc found the major pain points in healthcare, all the things that weren't working, and said, enough. And they made booking a great doctor surprisingly pain-free. ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc. You should be next. Why? You can find out about the doctor you're considering through verified patient reviews. You can book a time slot that works for you right from the ZocDoc site. You can decide whether you want to see the doctor in person or in a virtual visit. And you can find out whether the doctor is in-network for you instead of finding out when you're in the doctor's office. All that adds up to a better experience. And you want a better experience when you need to see a doctor. Go to ZocDoc.com slash MacVoices and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's ZocDoc, Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash MacVoices. ZocDoc.com slash MacVoices. Thanks to ZocDoc for their support of MacVoices. Today's Mac Voices is supported by New Relic. Monitor, debug, and improve your entire stack. Get all the details at newrelic.com slash macvoices. If you're a software engineer, you've been there. It's 9 p.m., you're finally unwinding from work, your phone buzzes with an alert, something's broken, and your mind's already racing at what could be wrong. Is it the back end or the front end? Is it global? Is it the cloud provider? Do we have slow-running queries? Now the whole team's scrambling from tool to tool and messaging person after person to find and fix the issue. That won't happen if you get New Relic. 
New Relic puts 16 different monitoring products that you would normally buy separately in your hands to help you see across your entire software stack in one place. That makes it easy to pinpoint issues down to the line of code. You will know exactly why the problem happened and can resolve it quickly. That's why the dev and ops teams at over 14,000 companies like DoorDash and GitHub and a host of Fortune 500 companies use New Relic to debug and improve their software. That next 9 p.m. call is just waiting to happen. Get New Relic before it does. And you can get access to the whole New Relic platform and 100 gigabytes of data free forever. No credit card required. Sign up at newrelic.com slash macvoices. That's New Relic, N-E-W-R-E-L-I-C dot com slash macvoices. Newrelic.com slash macvoices. Thanks to New Relic for their support of macvoices. I did not know that about Dropbox. And yeah, I've it's done that pretty... for like oh, yeah. maybe yeah. 10 years. Really? Okay. Yeah. I thought it was going up to the cloud and coming back down. It, it, it's smart enough that it'll notice, oh, these two machines are on the same network. So in and addition to, to sending it to the cloud, it will squirt it across the LAN. And okay, and then it'll it'll still do the the cloud upload, yeah, right? But it'll just right. kind of be in the background, right? Where so you the, don't care because the, the file's already you know the machine that's over the, you know in the same room, it will get the files faster than the cloud does, or um, you know a machine that's in a different not on the same LAN. Yeah, and, okay. and Jim, the the main reason I end up using a. Uh, uh, a cloud service when I'm doing the file transfer is because AirDrop has been unreliable just often enough. I, that I, I feel your pain. That it's <laughs> yeah, it's just like okay. Instead of wasting the time to find out whether it's going to move all the files I want this time, I'll just throw them to a cloud service and be done with it. I I, I, I totally feel yeah. that. So it sounds like you're saying that Apple, that this universal control doesn't have that problem, um, which would be nice. It would also be nice if they fixed AirDrop. Mm -hmm. I, I haven't experienced the problem with universal control yet. Yeah, about it's if only, we, if we it's just only say been that. 24 hours. Right. There's still plenty of time for it to piss me and off. And it's a beta still. Right. Yep. Yep, when I checked the little box, you know, and it says beta right beside it, I'm like, all right, let's just stretch in. Angel's fear to tread. So, so universal control, universal control is beta. Yes, parts of it are. Parts of it are okay. The important parts. I mean, it's yeah, not, you don't have to download a beta version. It's in the production release, but Apple is still saying that it's beta. Mm. Yeah. So. It's uh, what is it under display? So I don't, I don't think they've ever done something quite like that before. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Now, also oh, remember you have all the all the features are still beta. I thought only uh, uh, one of them was, but yep, all all three features for uh, universal control are still beta. And you and you still can use sidecar and universal control at the same time. Yes, you can. Yes. Yes, I saw that today, and I thought that was very interesting. Mm -hmm. that, that's like Inception. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, guys, the other topic we were going to touch on tonight, I had no idea that the upgrade uh, discussion would go in this direction, um, and, and that is cord cutting. Um, and what caused me to bring it up to this group 
was the news earlier this week. I want to make sure I get it right. That HBO Max and Discovery Plus will combine um, their services. And then I heard some commentary uh, a couple places about, you know, this is just a way to squeeze more money out of people. And it's like, Mm. okay, you know, I get it because what they're, they're, I think their point was that right now they could subscribe to HBO Max for X dollars or um, Discovery Plus for Y dollars. And now the two put together, you know, maybe they didn't need or want both of them, but now they're going to have to buy both of them together and therefore HBO Max Discovery, as Warner Media, I guess, is going to right. be um, charging more for you know the, the the unified service. Now that's all speculation, but you can see it coming down the pike because well, the theory is going to be, I'm sure, that well you've got double the content or you know some some multiple of the content, so therefore you should pay more money. Well, first off, remember that um, Discovery is emerging with Warner Media. They're buying more Warner Media, so. Warner Media was its, was its own thing because it was part of AT&T. AT&T is uh, shedding it from their portfolio. So now Discovery is going to take it. So you're going to have both those services merged together. Yeah, but I think if anything, what's going to happen is HBO Max is, is, is its audience. You know, they have 73 million subscribers in HBO. I mean, HBO is probably one of the most popular pay pay services that's been, you know, it's been around for 30, Ever. 40 years, yeah, forever. I mean, I've been a subscriber, probably been a subscriber most of most of my life of having HBO because HBO always always had great content. If anything, what's going to happen with the benefit of, of this as far as you cord cutting goes, you can you can you're gonna have both the great content of Discovery, Discovery Plus, because I did subscribe to Discovery Plus, but I wasn't finding it enough that I could justify another five bucks or seven bucks a month uh, for that. I'm paying $14.99 a month as what HBO uh, Max gives me because it's part of my cable subscription with with uh, Xfinity. Um, but I think if anything, what's going to be benefit of this is the fact that now those two services are merging. You're going to get even more content, and there's there is a lot of good discovery uh, content. People who are crime junkies love all the crime uh, crime shows that are on there. You know, if you like diners, drivers, and dives, you have the whole entire catalog from from whenever it came out with Guy Fieri. Uh, but there's but that's just just a few things. But there are, there are a lot of good, a lot of good content. But I mean. Core cutting is, is is so changed now, and and, and way, the way it's been over the years. Everybody thinks core cutting. You get rid of the cable TV, you start adding it up. It's coming to the same price, kind of uh, than what you're already paying for. You know, I pay for Paramount Plus, I pay for Apple TV Plus, I have HBO Max. I mean, there's just so many of the services. You add them all up, you're going to probably pay the same, if not more, uh, because there's just so much good content, and and. Uh, cable companies are going to have to come to the realization that yeah, all these all these services are going to have to be all the cart. You're going to have to sell them separate. Look at CNN. CNN. I don't know who the heck's going to pay for that, but CNN's coming out with CNN Plus. I mean, that's going to be another six bucks a month. Do I really want to pay for CNN uh, when you, you're getting you know, when you're? I'm fine if I'm going to watch something on CNN. I'll just watch the, the the regular channel. ESPN. They're doing the same thing. ESPN Plus. They wanted. I mean, I read something today. They're they're looking to add more and more live stuff. They're doing it now. I mean, again, not everybody on this panel is a sports fan, but you know, there's some hockey games. I mean, I like the Chicago Blackhawks. There's sometimes that they're showing it on ESPN Plus, and I don't pay for that, so then I can't watch the game. That 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 that's kind of cruddy because uh, you know it's a local it's a local team, so it's really evolving. Now that's where I'm saying you know because I was kind of excited to talk about this uh, at this topic, and um, the 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 court cutting is just is really just evolved and and and. I, I can't decide. I, I, there's there's days I always am going back and saying, "Hey, I want to I want to 
I want to get rid of Xfinity. I want to go, I want to cord cut. I want to go to like YouTube TV or one of the other ones, but I start adding it up. It doesn't make sense. And the interface, that's the other thing that, that, that gets me too. My wife's not going to like to have to go to her Apple, our Apple TV or another streaming box to be able to get to YouTube TV because she's not used to that. And, and she is used to cut to the Xfinity X1. So anyway, that's, that's my, 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 I'll let everybody else, other panel talk about this, but. Uh, I've been a cord cutter for a long time. Yeah. And what made it easy for me to be a cord cutter several years ago was the fact that I'm not uh, uh, into spectator sports. Yeah. So not not having live football or basketball or baseball or, or American football or whatever it is that you want to watch, that wasn't a problem for me. Right. Uh, that has changed a lot over the last few years, making it mm -hmm. easier for people that do want to be cord cutters to, to do that because now they can get their sports. Uh, and uh, Dave, your comment about you add it all up and and your a la carte services suddenly cost as much as your cable package. So why switch? Mm -hmm. There's a reason why your cable package costs what it does, because it's it's going to be in line with pretty much what people are going to pay for individually. So okay. it they priced it to make sense. And you're getting your broadband with it. So, um, you know, it, it becomes a, a very easy decision to stay with uh, with a cable package uh, for someone like me. Uh, by the way. If you are an Xfinity customer and you're paying for a television package and you're not actually interested in having it, call them because when my contract uh, needed to renew this last month and it went up uh, like, oh, I don't know, 30, 40 percent, I called them and uh, and said, hey, I'm, I'm ready to cancel because holy crap. And I'll just yeah. figure out some other way to get internet. And they said, well, actually, funny you should say that because we have a new <laughs> a new package. As always. As always. So I the new thing is, year. instead of spending uh, $85 to have a uh, uh, an 80 megabit uh, down and 5 megabit up connection with some rando collection of TV stations that you probably don't want, it's $60, 900 down and 25 up and no television. And then they say, oh, by the way, since we know all you're doing is streaming all this stuff anyhow, we're just going to mail you our Xfinity Flex box. Flex so box. now you have a single box, which is basically like having an Apple TV without Apple TV Plus on it. Well, except now that's a thing too. It's that uh, as of a, like a week X, ago, that's, that's on there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there you go. You can save a lot of money. Just call and uh, tell them you need to, to switch plans. Um, but for me, it was Apple TV plus the apps. And, uh, and then I had the single thing that I need. I don't want a smart television. I just have my one little black box and yep. every single piece of content that I actually went to see is available through that. And because of the stations or, or networks that I'm interested in, I'm actually paying less by uh, being a cord cutter than I, I would otherwise. And for that occasional show that comes up, uh, like Doctor Who. 
I just buy every season. And it's cheaper for me to buy a season of Doctor Who when it comes out than it is to pay for BBC America. And, uh, and, uh, and I get the content that I actually want. Jeff, I have a question for you. Yeah, mm-hmm. It sounds like you've optimized the solution for you. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if it scales to other people or not. So would you tell us how many remote control devices you need to use and how many distinct interfaces you need to use and how many distinct billing interfaces you need to go through uh, to implement your solution? That's actually an awesome question. All right. So I have uh, a Harmony remote. So I have a single remote for controlling my devices and my devices are the television, which only needs to be powered on and off Mm -hmm. the sound bar, which will power on and off automatically with the television and the Apple TV. So I, so I've got everything streamlined down there. Then for interfaces, it's just whatever the app interface is for each Apple TV app. Uh, Does the Harmony then, control the Apple TV? Oh, yeah. Yeah, not a problem at all. But it, beware, because Harmony has stopped making the remote. Yeah, that's what I say. Yeah, Harmony is... So be, be careful. Yeah, I know. Logitech bought them, and uh, what is it, a couple years ago, they stopped? They which means at some point, it. they're either going to have to... Well, they don't have to... They will hopefully, when when they just drop everything, they will open source the software so that uh, we can keep everything working. Or good luck with that. Yeah, I know. Good luck. <laughs> or I have to uh, find another solution that does what Harmony does. Um, or buy twenty of them. You know, go to eBay well, and buy twenty of them and put them. Well, in the, the problem is part part of the Harmony service needs the cloud connection to update everything between devices. So at some point that will get turned off and then your Harmony remote bricks. This Mac Voices Live discussion concludes in the next edition of Mac Voices, where our panel continues to share some of their tips and tricks for cord cutters, some of their experiences, and some lessons that maybe you can take to heart and cut your own cord. Until then, I'm Chuck Joyner. This is Mac Voices. Thanks for watching. Visit macvoices.com for show notes and to connect with Chuck on social media. Get involved in our Facebook group or like our Facebook page and get more out of your Apple tech with Mac Voices Magazine, free on Flipboard and on the web. And if you find value in it all, consider supporting us through either our Patreon campaign at patreon.com macvoices or by making a one-time donation via the PayPal link on our front page and in the show notes of each episode you will join these fine people who help bring you Mac Voices. Advertising handled by Backbeat Media at backbeatmedia.com. Bandwidth provided by Cashfly at cashfly.com.